today we're speaking with Kevin Marcus Miller, who is a music producer, songwriter, and entrepreneur from Seattle, Washington in the United States. He has been making music for over 15 years, always with the intention of uplifting and educating his audiences. We had a wonderful conversation of what it means to be somebody who has a defib, who is a black man, and also what empathy and inclusivity looks like. Go ahead and enjoy this wonderful episode. And as I mentioned early on, he is the one that created the music for this podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Inclusive Storytelling Podcast. Today is my guest, Kevin Marcus Miller. Now, hi. Hey, thanks so much for being here, my friends. And uh, gosh, I am so excited because, folks, if you are digging the dope jam that is in the podcast, when we come into the podcast and leave, <laughs> guess who was the one that did the music? It was Kevin. So Kevin, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for being basically my music composer <laughs> and my right. music. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And so, gosh, you know, let's just jump right into it. You have such a history in your life. So uh, just for folks, you know, Kevin and I have known each other now for several months. He's absolutely wonderful. And there was uh, an incident that changed your life, basically. Tell yeah. us more, Kevin. You know, so for me, um, 2019 was uh, very transformational for me. I was 25 at the time. And, you know, I was, I was struggling at work to get my life balance, my work-life balance in order. So I went to go play some basketball and, uh, you know, I'm coming up the court and um, I don't really actually remember the events myself. So this is the recollection from what others told me, but they said what happened was as I was coming up the basketball court, I actually pretty much, um, my heart stopped completely and I went on one knee and then fell over and um, had a sudden cardiac arrest at 25. Wow. You know, I woke up three days later and the emotion that I felt when I woke up is very hard to describe. It's, 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 it's kind of like hitting rock bottom, but it's a little deeper than that. Yeah. That doesn't quite describe the feeling. Mm -hmm. it, it was a lot of embarrassment and shame because I basically felt like my whole life I had been living someone else's dream. Mm. Wow. Wow. Wasn't so I wanted so. Right. It wasn't what you wanted. And so I know that's changed and we're going to get into that. So was that the around the time when you started building your music career or was that before and it kind of launched the unfortunately this unfortunate episode launched you into thinking in different ways? So uh, my music career was started and successful much prior to that and my identity was all wrapped up in music and mm -hmm. i thought that you know the songs that i made and the, the tv shows i've worked on pretty much identified who i was in the world and you know i had a really hard time figuring out who i am outside of that wow well let's talk let's dig into that so you had this uh, you know awful event not even a year ago <laughs> you know we're still very <laughs> new um in terms of the year and then you had this other sort of persona this other person so what did that entail who was kevin prior to this to this event 
Yeah, I'd, I'd say uh, the, the best way to describe it is I was basically who I had been told was successful or happy, but it wasn't really my version. My version was who I am today, which is an entrepreneur, someone that's inspiring, but true to himself, authentic. The old Kevin was more so um, chasing an accolade or a representation that looked good from, from that bird's eye view, but it really wasn't actually the life that I wanted for me. Mm-hmm. So I was doing things like uh, working corporate jobs that I didn't want to be at, bouncing around contract gigs, being around corporations and racism that I, you know, experienced on the day to day that um, everyone has to go through, you know, especially as a young black man in tech. But the, but the truth is I was willingly putting myself in those positions and staying because I thought that's what, you know, I was blessed to be mm-hmm. at those places. And I was just, you know, but the choice that I made to be who I am as an entrepreneur and walk away from that life, uh, you know, meant a lot, meaning like walking away from certain friends and circles and expectations and trajectories in life and career. And so that was right. who I really was, was not me. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's interesting for me because I, I, you know, I, I know you a little bit and I've read about you. And so you are tagged and you still are tagged uh, as a music producer uh, and you still do it because, you know, you you make your own music and you did music for me. Yeah. What's interesting to me is what you've done to the to date to take what you love and still continue it and also create different paths for you. Yeah. Right. So let's talk a little bit about how much your music work has changed from years ago to today. I'm (laughs) interested in that journey. So the biggest thing that's different is prior to the incident, everything that I did musically was to get some kind of result, whether it was a placement or money. Yeah. And what do you mean by placement? So a placement is uh, landing your song on a TV uh, network or a sync placement they call it synchronization and you know that there's two sides to the record you know the music industry from a music producer standpoint the record side like where artists hang out and that kind of world and then there's the tv side where you can make composer music and scoring and things like that so I was on the composer side and mm-hmm. uh, so to date I've done about 45 different tv shows and so prior to my you know my heart incident um Every time I ever opened a DAW, you know, digital audio workstation to make music, it was for the sole purpose of that. It was never for enjoyment. Wow. Wow. How many years did you do that? Too too long. (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually trying to count. So, you know, the first time I used to work at Guitar Center when when I was in high school, and that was the goal then was to do it for that reason. So I'd, I'd say at this point, I'm, you know, probably about 13 years. Wow. So for 13 years, you essentially were living somebody else's music production dream. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's a long time. My goodness. And yeah. so, that, so that means you started young as well. So you've been yeah. looking into music and doing music and doing production for a very long time. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how that's evolved, you know, in terms of where you are with what you're doing, music and other things today. How does that look like for Kevin Miller 2020, Kevin Miller 2021? 
So, you know, I think the, the biggest thing for me was I always felt this, this weird um, kind of embarrassment with music because I don't, I don't know how to play like piano traditionally or have certain uh, skills. Uh, my music theory knowledge is very limited, but where I excelled was all the electronic aspects, so like DJing and beat making. And so I got into that really early when I was a kid and I excelled at that and I wanted to uh, be like a famous rapper. That was like kind of the, the vision when I first started. Sure. Back when I was a kid in church as well. So I do like Christian rap in church. And then, you know, I made some CDs and passed them out in junior high, sold CDs. I made, you know, I made, even back then, the, the, I made money from those CDs as a junior high kid. Right, right. And just saying that out loud is so weird. <laughs> like, whoa, I was trying to make money as a kid. Whoa, you know. Right, right. Oh. You, were, you were understanding the game. You were understanding the, di the different process and how to monetize. But it's interesting. Do you think back then doing that work, uh, you know, really fed your heart back then? No, because I remember mm -hmm. you know, sitting there most of the time upset that I wasn't working. Wow. wow. Overwhelmingly. And so I, that would come out in different ways. Sure. Either came out in the music or came out in aggression or you know sadness whatever it just it always would come out because I, I felt like I wasn't I wasn't successful and I should be that was always the feeling and then after the heart incident that need to be successful in that way went away wow and talk about resiliency yeah I feel like you've had this resiliency um most of your life if not all no matter what, selling those, making those CDs, then selling them, getting them out to people. That takes resiliency. That is, mm -hmm. you know, not a lot of us have those stories. I remember too, like I actually, uh, I sold a CD and I, I, I always remember this when I tell the stories. I remember th these kids throwing my, C in junior high, throwing my CDs in the garbage and oh. then pushing me into a locker. Oh, you know what I mean? And I just remember that feeling. And that's, and that's basically in a nutshell, you know, who I really was, but also how I identified mm -hmm. as a loser. Wow. It didn't matter if I was on TV. It's, I still felt like that kid. Right, right. So let's expand on that a little bit more. You weren't feeling fulfilled. Uh, you were unfortunately feeling like this loser. Yep. And then you start growing and you start getting some success, right? Yep. You did get some success. So yep. I want to talk just a little bit of, and it's hard for me to use the word success because right. I don't think that's the word we would use today, but to the outside world, to this bird's eye view that you said, it would look like success. So when did this quote unquote success come to you? Yeah, so I remember it, I'll never forget. I was a, a student manager at a coffee shop in college. I got a phone call uh, when I was, it was the summertime and I was doing an internship in the marketing department. I got a phone call and it's this music publisher that found me online. And uh, she, she, she called me. I had never talked to her before on the phone, just email. Wow. She said, yo, congratulations you're in the big leagues now you you just got you're in a you're in a movie it's gonna be in theaters you're gonna take your family and you're gonna see your name in the credits wow I didn't I didn't believe her at first I actually like 
I was like, hold on a second. Can you explain this to me? Wait, what? What is happening right now? Yeah. So when I got that call, I knew everything was going to be different and it was. So I went back into work. And, and uh, I remember when I started telling, you know, people started figuring it out and finding it out, how different people treated me when I went back into work. Really? Was it that instantaneous? Yeah. So basically the, there was um, faculty members mm-hmm. of the college and, you know, they go, they, they'd start pointing to the other students that were shopping you guys know this guy's famous, right? That's checking out your stuff. And they were dead serious. They were not wow. mocking me. You know what I mean? Because I felt wow. mocked first because that's that was my default. Right. It's like, oh, they were mocking me. Yes. Just like the kid in junior high, that, that was my... And then I realized that they actually were starstruck. Wow. It took me a while to realize that like a lot of these people were actually not trying to clown on me. They were starstruck. Wow. And wow. then it started getting to a level where I could... I was literally a face card mm-hmm. and I had such a high level of privilege I could reschedule exams. I could get into other people's houses for parties oh, just wow. by my face. I could talk to law enforcement and be drunk and belligerent and having fun in college. And they'd just be like, oh, that's Kevin. He's just having a good time. Wow. Wow. So you go from making all this music for 13 years, but you know your heart's not into it, but you're still doing it. Then in college, you get success and your music gets mm-hmm. onto a movie. Which movie? It's called Almost Christmas featuring Gabrielle Union. It was one of her uh, breakout roles in 2016. So no big deal. Just Gabrielle <laughs> Union, right? Only her. And then you find out, other people find out, and you are now treated differently. Yeah. Do you think that the external amount of accolades you're getting translated to internal changes in your head or the way you spoke or thought about yourself? No, it just, it just gave me enough confidence to, to not let the little younger kid, Kevin, uh, show up as much. Wow. Security would, would not be as heavy. That's all. Wow. And so you, and it's interesting, you know, as a black man, you recognized the privilege you were getting from yeah. being that person and being yeah. in a movie and with somebody like Gabrielle Union and having that name. And it's interesting because you saw the flip, you saw the flip in the people and a little bit in you as well. That is absolutely fascinating. So I want to talk about this because this is about inclusivity right. in, in your long time of music, music production, now, you know, having your music be in an amazing movie. What is the music industry doing when it comes to being inclusive? This is of different types of people. Uh, We spoke about women identifying folks, uh, LGBT folks that may be trans. What are your thoughts on the welcoming nature or unwelcoming nature of the music industry from your perspective? So hip hop is, is the lane that I'm pretty much in. And the, the weird thing that's, it's such a weird thing. It's like, when it, so there's like hip hop within the songwriter side of TV and film. And that specific lane, they actually, it's harder for black people, black and brown people to make, to have success in that lane. It's easier for a white dude to rap. 
in that way. Wow. And is that, is that mean like the M&Ms of the world? So it's actually like the Macklemore's of the world. Got it. Got it. He was the second person I was going to say. (laughs) (laughs) It's exactly who it is, is the Macklemore's and actually like you'll see, they call them briefs, right? So you'll, you'll get a brief from a publisher or somebody who's looking for music. And um, an overwhelming majority of the time, the reference song and the brief of what they're looking for is a corny white rap song, imitation of a black rap song. Wow, wow. So, and so I know- noticed over time that the cornier I intentionally made my voice, or mm. the more I altered it to, to be white passing, I would get more placements that way. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Talk about exclusivity. Talk about discrimination. Yeah. That is, uh, that's quite awful, really, you know, to still have whiteness as the standard in, <laughs> in, in hip hop of all the <laughs> genres to have white as the standard, even in hip hop. Yeah. Wow. So what about how hip hop, and this is, this is going to be from your perspective, mm-hmm. how, what about how hip hop respects or disrespects or anything between uh, with women or women identifying folks? Mm. Ugh. Yeah, that's a loaded one. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd say the biggest TV commercials I've seen on the planet and the best briefs come from white women attempting to rap for the first time because they prefer to have the white girl rap than the black girl rap. Wow. Wow. And what about music videos? I just want your opinion. Cause for me, mm-hmm. my opinion of many music videos that I see, I can't watch them. Uh, just because of the denigration of the women, the women that are treated as objects, I'm like, wow, I, who is this for? And I know it's not for me. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah, so on the, on the record side, which I'm uh, not involved in, I have heard lots of stories. And, um, you know, I think, I think people need to really stop blaming uh there's like this thing where we where we blame women who make that choice right 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 we we have no idea why or how and but we need to like respect the fact that that was a choice that they were allowed to make and so we don't have to like shame them and it's also a part of a, a negative system because men are hypersexualizing women and doing you know this is how it's like always been. And that eventually, well, it will change. But I, but I know that there also needs to not be judgment on women who do decide to do that. Like the judgment shouldn't be on the woman. It should be on the system. And the industry, 100%. Kudos to that. If I was applauding, you'd be getting a standing ovation (laughs) right now. I remember some time ago, this might've been when I was in college. I remember watching a documentary And it was about uh, making hip hop and hip hop music and videos. And I remember there was a a news clipping about folks that were doing a 
music video and it looked like it was men and male identifying folks. And they just put an open call out to the neighborhood looking for women with very little clothes that would come and dance for free on the video. And women would come for a chance to be having that exposure to uh, who knows to to have somebody see them to maybe get some you know to maybe get a career out of dancing etc. So yeah, I remember that was super eye opening for me when I was like, dang, wow, you know, basically an open casting call for free, and folks are are looking at it as an opportunity to maybe advance themselves and uh, showcase their talents and their skills. It's definitely weird. It's kind of like it's a, there's like a fine line between. Um, what the world perceives as entertainment versus someone's actual livelihood. And if right. we're not in their shoes, then it's really hard to know what that line is and really isn't our place to say. So that's definitely something I've learned over time because I would be lying if I said, you know, I've never judged because I definitely, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been like, whoa, you know? And, you know, and I noticed this, you know, I, I'll be very transparent. I was in a clubhouse room a couple of weeks ago and not music related, but we were talking about the show Indian Matchmaker, which is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, it was a group of South Asians, mainly women identifying South Asians. And people were, you know, very much about their opinions about the show. So from folks and very valid saying it's doing a lot of harm. It's very heterosexist and we need to speak up about the harms that that show is doing and the stereotypes is perpetuating. Totally agree. There was another person that came on and I thought she was very brave. And she also said that, Hey, look, these are someone's truth. So Mm -hmm. let's not focus on so-and-so is doing bad, let's have a conversation. But that show is someone's truth. And when you take a look at the people that are making that show on the production end, they've done a lot and they're not trying to put this uh, out there that's harmful. Now, I'm a big, huge fan, of course, that intention and impact are two different things. And just because we don't intend to harm does not mean that there was a harmful impact and we should address it. But what was important, which I think you're talking about as well, was that there is a space where it is somebody's truth Mm -hmm. and we can let that shine and these different voices can all have a conversation. And let's, and I remember walking away from that being, okay, let's not focus on each other. Let's focus on the industry that allows this and the isms to continue and let's fight the power that way. I see. So I wonder if that's if that's real inclusive. Because here's the thing: all the people in that room, a lot of them were probably you know racial justice warriors or people that are fighting the good fight. But their opinion, by nature, because it's only thinking of one way or one walk, by nature is excluding. Even though even though that's not the intention, which is such a weird thing to think. It's very deep. Right. And it always is like an issue because, I mean, there's never going to be, in my opinion, there's never going to be a way to get around your own bias like that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Unless you just um, think you're perfect. Um, 
I just don't think I am, you know, I'm not. And I, and of course, you know, with a podcast like this, I want to open up the conversations about what equity looks like and what is harm understanding it. And I, and we can't take away people's truths on any spectrum or anything in between, but I, but we can definitely have some great equity. We can have inclusivity and we can also come from a place for me around radical empathy, which is the ability to look at others from a non-judgmental space and a, and a space where you can also learn for yourself by engaging with others. Yeah, I agree with that. I, that's great. So I'm going to ask you a couple more questions and this is loaded again, uh, okay. but again, this is Kevin's perspective. These are my perspectives <laughs> from, from your experience and you know, where you land in the rap and hip hop genres. Uh, how do you think that those, uh, that genre is in regards to LGBT inclusion, trans inclusion, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. That's a, well, um, I think the the truth of it is part of the reason why I stopped making rap music or attempting to be an artist and, and working on the production side was because of how embarrassed I was by just everything with rap music from the level of unwillingness to respect women from the just everything like there's so there's so many layers to it but ultimately I think it really boils down to just like some of these folks that are in the industry that's really their reality like that's a that's actually the world they operate in is treating women that way and having women around them all day and there's just like a whole different environment world that I've never been exposed to in real life Right, right. In your real life, it's like, no, I, I love my mom. I love my sister. I love my partner. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing here? Yeah. So I'm, I don't even know. I think, but then again, it also makes sense given the where hip hop came from. Mm-hmm. The right? leaders and where well, they you, came from. Yep. And where it originated. Forefathers, it's like, you know, they were not supporting. They weren't down with the cause like that. Right. Unfortunately, unfortunately. And I will say, I do think that this generation is coming up is very different. Very, right. Because I'm hearing some of the raps coming out. I'm like, whoa, (laughs) this is amazing. (laughs) Wow. And who's your favorite? Do you have any favorites? Oh, gosh. Who sings mood right now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know his name, but I know the song. Yeah, so my favorite song right now is Mood. And you can feel this emotion and you can feel the anger, but Mm -hmm. it's like, wow, he's not being really disrespectful. (laughs) Like he's not calling her a bee, uh, but he's stating a fact. And he also has like a very woke line in there about about the interaction. And I was like, okay, I can get into this. Like I'm feeling this. I understand where, where that's coming from and the anger and how real it is. And it's not done in a derogatory way. I was like, okay, it's on repeat, right? It's totally on repeat. I think for me, the the thing that I like about, like my favorite artist I would say is probably Drake. Mm -hmm. And and an interesting story. um, Part of the reason I got into that, uh, my song got on that movie was because they were looking for a song that sounded like one of Drake's songs. Wow. 
So wow. I have a lot to thank from him. You know what I mean? Basically, the the brief itself was a Drake song, Jumpman, at the time. Wow. And because you know, I understood like kind of his writing style and like what what they meant by that. I was able to deliver that so quickly back. Just like that, like, this is what you're looking for. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I've listened to Drake and I, I, I can stomach him. So there's nothing where I'm like, oh no, why are you yeah. talking? Like it's, it, you know, it's. It feels like that's really his life. Yeah. He's not yeah. like, I'm, I'm killing everybody. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not what he's talking about. You know, he's talking about like. Yeah, be this. About women and it's like, yeah, I can yeah. understand that. Yeah, be this, be that. It's like, oh, okay. I, I yeah. click off. I'm like, um, nope, we're moving. We're right, we're left swiping. We're yeah. left swiping on this. We're doing a thumbs down. That's definitely me. Yeah. <laughs> so along those same veins, what improvements would you offer industry leaders or influencers in how we could be more inclusive in the music space, especially in the rap and hip hop genres? So I think the, the one of the biggest things people forget. So if you go to the very top, so the Jimmy Iveens, um, the Craig Calmans, those, those folks who are, uh, you know, presidents of the biggest labels and really running it at that level, those yeah. people, those people need DEI coaches. Yeah, <laughs> right, they well, need people like us. Yeah, like you. Yeah, like you. I don't know if I'd be the right person. But, <laughs> <laughs> but then people like you, because here's the reality is, I mean, you, if you're running that big of a label, you know, like Rihanna signed you and all these other acts, you're not involved or understanding like how much of an impact you were actually having on the world just by your business decisions. Right. Like if you let this artist run with this song and this message, you might just sway an election yes. like that's how powerful some of these people are and they don't understand well they do understand that it's more like they're focused on other things yep and Inclusive it takes that back seat yes yes and i think that with society and how it's changing and my hope is that it is changing on a sustained level that yeah. I'm seeing content that's definitely very different than content that was coming out 20 years ago. But yeah. you're spot on. What are the folks that have the money, that have the influence? What are they doing? Right. And I would say they need co-facilitators like us because you know the game. So yeah. you can speak to the industry. I can speak to the anti-oppression and anti-racism parts. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So... Let's kind of recap, right? You grew up, but you were doing music, but it just never was fully satisfying. You kept on doing it. You got a huge win about four, four and a half years ago. Yeah. You had your song in a movie, but it was still empty. It was still that voice in your head that was holding you back. And then you have a huge cardiac arrest. Is that the correct term? Yep. Sudden cardiac arrest. Correct. Sudden cardiac arrest yep. a little over a year ago. And you woke up from that embarrassed, but also it changed who you were. You weren't yeah. that teenage Kevin anymore. You weren't that person that had those voices that you weren't reframing or those voices that were holding you back. And I also know that you have changed your lifestyle in terms of being much more peaceful, 
eliminating the noise from your life as much as you can. But there's a story that happened to you in the last year mm -hmm. where it doesn't matter how much at peace you are finding with yourself, you still have to deal with the external factors of being a black man. So I want you to tell us the story about where you were in Target. I believe it was over the summer. You were over at Target of all places and Kevin's had this huge life change and you, you have a pacemaker, is that right? Yeah, so it's officially called a defibrillator. Thank you, yep. I, old school word. So you yep. have your defib. Yep. So anything big, could put you into sudden cardiac arrest again. I, I'm repeating this because I want listeners to really know that if Kevin's stress level goes to a certain point, he could go into sudden cardiac arrest and he works very hard and has been to not be that 13 year old kid and to change his ways. So tell us the story of your visit to Target to grab and grab some food and do some errands. Yeah. So, you know, girlfriend's in the car and uh, I just remember, you know, headed into the store and there's, this one is a really big target. So they have the metal detectors at the, at the entrance. So on my left side here, there's a device, right? Defibrillator. And um, I walk in the store, metal detectors go off. Everything seems fine. The lady lets me in, I shop. This time as I'm coming back out with my groceries in my hand, this, that same lady that was there and that was kind, she was a black lady, she wasn't there. Hmm. So there was nobody there to protect me that worked at the store to say, I saw him come in here. Wow. So I'm walking out, <clears throat> the, uh, metal detectors go off again. No, no employees around them. There happens to be a white gentleman there about maybe in his 40s. And he decided in that moment that his job was to police me with his body. And this is a fellow customer, customer. correct? White customer. If groceries in hand, he decides to, to barricade my body right there like this, pretty much holding his groceries. And he just decides that it's his job or his duty to stop me. Wow. And he asked me, what are you, what are you, where are you going? And I said, um, you know, I'm fine. Just look at the lady right there. She'll tell you. And the reason I said that instead of being upset, which I have every right to be, is because I unfortunately don't have the luxury other people have of getting upset. Yes. Other people, you'll see videos online of racism and incidents happen, like Karen incidents, right? The gentleman who had the incident with Karen, yes. he has the luxury of engaging that because an incident like that will not kill him, but an yeah. incident like that will kill me right. because my heart rate cannot go like that. So um, the lady, the nice lady came back finally. And then, uh, you know, I could, you know, showed my receipt, all of that crap. I finally walked out the door. He's still kind of not wanting to let me, he's still kind of eyeing me. I'm already out the door, he's still eyeing me. Mm. And, I was, and, and you I was, can feel that as people of color, we know when somebody's eyeing you because we've lived with it all our lives. All our lives. But it's, it's, I want people to understand it's, it's, it's a lot different when someone physically 
yes within your space you know he, it's not I mean we're in the middle of COVID and he and he is you know within six feet of me like literally two feet maybe one feet away from me like he's literally right here so for someone to one risk their own health because they're afraid of some black guy walking out of the store it's just an incredible amount of fear for somebody to have you know I told my partner when I got back in the car what happened and we were just driving away upset and then I called my mom it's upset you know and um you know that that just one of the first thoughts I had was like I definitely could have ended up a hashtag that day if I if I had something else going on in my life where I did wasn't in control right right so yeah and for folks that are on audio, Kevin was saying that this person was literally inches during a pandemic from his face. And I also want listeners to know that we talked about this and Kevin is sharing because he wants to. So thank you, Kevin. I know that this is very, very difficult. But one of the things why I love Kevin and he's definitely becoming a friend is because he wants people to know these about these stories and his own personal experiences so that we can elevate ourselves and be better. Yeah. And I think it's an important story to tell when you want to tell it, to let people know how real this is, that it it does happen day to day. And also for me, what's important is because you have the defib, that this person without any weapons could have killed you. Yeah. Because they chose to play police. And this is where radical empathy also needs to come in. And you had your receipt, you had paid for your things. And I've had that happen too, where you're like, why is this going off? I literally just paid and walked across and everybody saw me walk across and, you know, somebody forgot to take off a tag or that's definitely happened more than once or somebody usually it's because they took off, uh, forgot to take off a tag and they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Like, oh, sorry. Quickly do it. And we're, everybody's off. It's more embarrassing. But in this case for you, it's not embarrassment. It was literally life or death. Yeah. And we, that's something that definitely needs to change. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And we definitely keep Kevin's heart rate very low and very steady because we need you, Kevin. And so you've shared so much with us. Thank you. So you have, you do music still. So again, you made my music. So tell us a little bit about how you have evolved because I think it's fascinating with your work that you're doing music, but you're doing other things that very much are inclusive. So let's talk about that for just a couple of minutes. Sure. So, you know, I kind of transitioned. COVID was an opportunity for me because now I have this new lifestyle where you know, I have a defibrillator and in a different, you know, health situation. And so instead of being super stressed at a corporate job, I decided, well, I have a lot of skills. I have a lot of different passions. So why not? Um, my, my biggest dream, I guess you would call it, that I'd always wanted to do was um, run my own marketing firm. And so um, one of the things I realized in my music journey is that everything I was doing for my for myself to get on these TV shows was really just a form of marketing. Mm. And that nice. skill set that I learned, I translated it into building my own business and being an entrepreneur. And so I was able to successfully walk away from my nine five, not have to be stressed every day, driving in, being around um, high 
stimulation, right? And things like that. And um, when you're in the corporate world, I remember, uh, you know, after my uh, hospital stay, I went back to go work for a little bit and I didn't tell anybody what happened. I just went back to work. And I remember how, how stressful that was for me. Wow. You know, I remember, I remember specifically, you know, I, I was in the uh, bathroom at Microsoft and I thought, I thought my device went off. Oh, wow. I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell the difference because I was so stressed. I couldn't actually tell the difference if it was the device or my stress. Mm. So I just didn't want to live that kind of life. I just decided I had enough and walked away and started my firm. And so been uh, making music now as, as simply therapeutic, you know, therapeutic only. That's amazing. And tell us a little bit about your firm. Yep. So um, my company's called All Approach. Uh, essentially, um, our, our, what we're about is creating authentic change uh, through entrepreneurship. And the way we do that is by helping companies um, grow their business online. But really, it's really, if I'm going to be super blunt about it, it's, it's, it's really my way of teaching other people what it means to be their most authentic self and, and going after their business the same way I did. That's really what it, what it boils down to. And so that might be somebody who, you know, one of my clients, uh, is a, his name is Vincent and, uh, he, he, like me, you know, for decades, he, he'd been doing his thing with um, diversity consulting, just like I had been doing my thing with music, but he had never pursued it seriously or taken mm -hmm. it seriously or given it that full attention it deserved, just like the nine to five. Nice. And so um, one of the, one of the things that inspires me is, you know, we're, you know, I'm coaching him and um, when we built his website, I remember um, about three months after he hired me, um, hired our team. He called me and he said, Kev, I just, I just did it. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Just call me like that. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he goes, he's like, I just landed a hundred thousand dollar contract first client out the gate. Awesome. Awesome. Like, Putting that energy uh, in. I was like, okay, we did this. <laughs> so great. What a great success story. Yeah. And you are a wonderful marketer and influencer and connector because you connected with me first, even before the podcast was yeah. even anything of, of my dreams. You just contacted me. We had connected somehow from whoever, yeah. and we'd been connected on LinkedIn for a minute. And then you're like, Hey, I'm putting this group together. Uh, and it's based on, uh, diversity, inclusion and belonging specialists and consultants. Uh, would yeah. you like to join? And that was the start of this beautiful friendship. So thank yeah. you. Thank you. Right. my friend. <laughs> the weird thing is that was started really because two reasons, one, because I was tired of watching my mom be disrespected and she's now been a te you know, PE teacher for like 35 years mm. and um, her dream was to, to be like Vincent to be a diversity firm yeah and um, I wanted to put all the people like my mom in the same room that's awesome Kevin where can we connect with you online uh, you can visit us at uh, allapproach.com and then all my handles are at it's Kevin M. Miller it's Kevin M. Miller. Yes. Follow him. I follow him on Instagram. <laughs> so Kevin, as we wrap up here, what is one call to action that you would provide us 
for us to be inclusive in our lives. I ask this to every guest of mine. Awesome. For me, it's put empathy into action because truly it's okay if you don't have all the answers and know what the right thing is, but we all know what that true, that real empathy looks like in action. Yes. And so instead of just saying, words sound nice, right? But Mm -hmm. really just take that action. Awesome. And it could be saving someone's life, like my friend Kevin's folks. You never know. You have no idea. You have no idea. How can we support you? Is there anything you need that this community can provide for you? To be honest with you, um, just a lot of good vibrations. Uh, if, if you pray, if you know, whatever um, works for you, just a lot of good energy for uh, my health would be would be very appreciated because. You know, sometimes I, I get drained throughout the day and yeah. uh, certain things take a lot more energy for me than the average person. Right. And so I, I just would uh, love and, and so cherish that. Vibe sent right now, my friends. Vibe check. <laughs> Vibe check. Whoop, whoop. I love it. Thank you so much, Kevin. You are always awesome. a delight and your calm demeanor is amazing. Uh, And, you know, for me, it's not a calm demeanor because you have to. It's just who you've evolved to. And I am so grateful we're connected. I'm so grateful for your music. Thank you so much for being on the Inclusive Storytelling Podcast. You are appreciated, Kevin. Thank you for having me. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.